Hello, and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Now, today is a very different episode than usual for a multitude of reasons. Reason number one is I've been gone for a long time. Now, if you're a longtime loyal listener, first of all, thank you. Love you so much. If you're not, or if you're new, let me explain kind of what happened. So back when I was releasing episodes in March, I said, going on vacation, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And it has been 21 weeks. And I'm now back. Yeah. So what happened? Why was I gone so long? What was going on? So I was on vacation for two weeks. And I don't, when I leave and go on vacations, I never bring my recording equipment. And therefore, I don't record while I'm there. I came back and I recorded a few episodes, which are not going to see the light of day. Um, It just doesn't make sense kind of with how far behind I am, I guess, the word I'm looking for. So, and then what happened is I started applying and looking for a new job. I now have a new job. Yay. So happy about it. Really enjoying it. And during the job search, I don't know if any of you have done the job search before or recently. It is so draining. It's so tiring. It's so time consuming. And it's such a like, it really just gets you in your head and in your feelings. It's It can be demoralizing. It's a whole thing. So that was all going on in April. And then by the middle of May, I got a job. So I was saying, okay, you know what? I'm exhausted and I just don't have the mental capacity to put into this. And I don't like doing my podcast when it feels like a chore instead of something that is fun and enjoyable and I'm having like a good time doing. So I put it aside thinking when I got this new job and I start, I will then do my podcast again. That did not happen. I did record a few episodes after that and I just didn't edit them. And again, those will not see the light of day. What ended up happening after that is, so some of you may know if you've listened to previous episodes that last summer, last August, I moved. And so the move was kind of hard at first because I didn't know a ton of people. And so I still had plenty of time for my podcast because I wasn't doing very much on the weekends. But come spring, I have finally started to find my footing and go out and have friends visit me and go visit people and things like that. And so I was busy in the spring and during the summer doing things with my friends here. I had some friends visit and then I was traveling most of July for different family things, family reunion, then going home and spending time with my family for a week and a half. And now I'm back from that trip and it is July 23rd, the day that I am recording and I've decided it's time. It's time to get back on my book podcast. It's time to get back up here and it's time to talk to you all about books. So I have 21 books that I will be talking to you about in hopefully less than 45 minutes because anything longer than that seems a bit long. It's kind of funny. I was gone for 21 weeks and I have 21 books. I did not read exactly one book a week and that is because some of these books are shorter. And so today, instead of doing my typical one book per episode, I am going to be talking about all of the books very briefly instead of in depth. So you're not going to get a whole plot summary. I'm going to give you like just very 30 second sort of explanation of what the plot is. We'll see if I do 30 seconds, one minute max, and then kind of general thoughts and feelings about these different books. The ones further back will probably be shorter because I read them a long time ago. And the ones that I've recently read might, I might have a little bit more to say, although that'll be at the end. So we'll see. And also one last thing, these aren't all entirely in order because I have a few books that I read by the same author that I'm going to group together and talk about 
as a whole instead of in the exact order that I read them. So without further ado, I'm going to get started. First up is probably the worst book that I have read in my hiatus, and that is The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis. Now this wasn't worse because it was bad, it is worse because it was boring, which might be even worse. I might have mentioned this in previous episodes, but I originally DNF'd The Magnolia Palace back in January so I could do my fun winter seasonal reading. If you didn't listen to those episodes and you're feeling really toasty, go listen to those three books I read back in winter that had to do with snow and all that different stuff and you'll immediately feel cooler. But anyways, The Magnolia Palace is a historical fiction split timelines literally for no reason um, in the past in like the 1919 or something like that. And that might be too long. Anyways, basically there's this girl. She used to be a model for statues. She gets framed for murder and then she ends up accidentally getting a job in the Frick Mansion. And then like this Magnolia diamond gets stolen and she gets framed and it's kind of a mystery. It's honestly boring. I would not recommend it unless you are somebody who A, really likes art a lot and really likes historical fiction or like, yeah, that's really the only people I would recommend it to. I thought it was boring. The second timeline in the 1960s was literally stupid. It was just not for me. After that, I read Highland Warrior by Heather McCollum, which I read while I was on vacation. It is a historical romance novel set in Scotland. And I don't know if you guys know this about me. Probably not because I haven't talked about it, maybe. But I love the Scottish historical romances. They are my preferred. I've kind of grown out of the Regency romance. I used to like those more when I was in college. And I also back then also really liked the Scottish historical romances. But now I've grown out of Regency, but I'm still a big fan of the Scottish historical romances. Highland Warrior was really fun, and the best part about it is that I found it in my free little library over by me. I was, like, going on a walk the day before I was getting on the plane for my vacation, and I saw it, and I was like, I must have this. So I I didn't walk. I mean, I didn't run, but I sped walk back to my apartment, and I went back there, and I swapped out the books, and I still have it on my shelf. It was a good time. There was nothing, like, super special or unique. About, well, there was something kind of unique in that the main the main female character her family is like descended descendants from like vikings maybe so it's kind of different there even though they're in scotland and so i had fun with it it was a good time like if you like historical romance and like just generally having a good time then i would recommend it after that i read graceling by kristin cashor i read this because my friends and i were going to try and start a book club three of us and this was the first book we decided to read because it was my one friend's like favorite YA fantasy book ever. She loves it so much. So basically the plot of Graceling is that certain people have graces, which is kind of like magic powers. And they have an affinity for like one thing. I don't remember. What was the main character's name in this one? I don't remember what her name was, but basically she had this grace basically to kill people. And then she runs, she's the niece of the king of her country and she like runs this underground thing where they like save people they save this like older like retired king which doesn't make sense but whatever and then his grandson comes and the two of them kind of go on an adventure to figure out who kidnapped him that's like the condensed version there's some more twists and turns it was good i would say that if i read this when i was still in high school i would have really liked it a lot but now that i'm older i'm having more of an issue with YA fantasy and YA in general and especially this book was written in 2008. So for me to say that I've seen it already been done 
is kind of ironic because it could have actually been done first in this book because it is almost, I don't know, like 15 years old or something like that. However, I've read other things. I just have read this in 2022. I've read those other books earlier. So Graceland was good. If you are just getting into YA, then that I would recommend it. And YA fantasy, if you are a longtime YA fantasy reader and you've been having issues with it recently, I would say skip it. But overall, it was good. After that, I read The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. I know I'm really, really late on the game on this one, but the movie was coming out. I wanted to watch the movie, and so for Christmas, I had asked for it, and I finally got around to it in that second week of March. So The Hating Game, for those of you who don't know, is about um, these two people who work together at a publishing agency, and they hate each other. They drive each other crazy, but it's a romance novel, so obviously, love happens. So that's the condensed version. It's basically enemies to lovers workplace setting they're competing for a promotion and then um some other things happen and they become closer and understand each other better i really enjoy the hidden game i read the first half of it on the plane um on my way back to dc and i don't know what was going on in the plane but i it was really hitting me hard it was hitting me hard as i sat there on the plane and i made myself stop instead of like reading the entire book in one sitting on the plane And I wish I hadn't because it did not hit as hard when I was back home reading just on my bed like the next two days and finishing it out. But the first half hit me so hard. I loved the first half. I was like trying to make myself not cry on the plane because I was feeling it. I was in my feels and it was great and I understood the hype. The second half didn't do it for me as much as the first half. And I don't know if there was just something about the plane and the airport and being tired and traveling and whatever that like was hitting me for some reason in that first half that didn't hit me when I was well rested at home in the second half but overall it was good and had two of my favorite tropes one um taking care of somebody when they're sick and two standing up to your love interest asshole family um I love those those really do it for me and I really do understand the hype of the hating game I had like more I was going to say about The Hating Game, but I didn't give it its own separate movie. I will s- own separate episode. Wait, I do have to say that the ep- if you haven't read this yet, you have to make sure you buy the bu- the version of the book or download the version of the book that has the epilogue because the epilogue makes it go full circle and literally takes the book, like if I rated things, it takes the book up a star. It takes it up a notch. Like the epilogue just hits. It just hits in a way that the movie epilogue does not hit. But overall, the movie was good. Was it a Christmas movie? That's something we should debate. I think it could be. I enjoyed it. The ending was changed a bit, but overall was fun. Okay, after that, maybe, I don't know, when I'm going that far back, it's kind of unclear what I read next, but we're going to talk about Dating Dr. Jill next by Nisha Sharma. This is a Taming of the Shrew retelling, but Indian American version. So basically, it is about this girl whose name I've forgotten, Wait, her name was, um, hmm, I don't know, something that started with a K because it's similar to like the names in the um, Shakespeare play, but not. And basically her dad is getting ready to sell the house that her mom built. And she's like, but I want to like keep this house and buy it because her mom's since passed. And her dad's like, well, you need to buy it for me. I'm leaving for India to go back in six months. So that's how much time you have. And so she kind of, the way that it's marketed is it's like, she has this like really bad experience with this guy whose like stage name is Dr. Dill. I don't remember what his full name is, his real name. 
Anyway, they don't get along because basically he believes in arranged marriage and she only believes in love marriages. But he's trying to convince her that they should just get married because then instead of using the money her dad saved for the wedding, she could use it to buy the house. So that's kind of generically like the beginning setup of what happens. It was good. I did enjoy it. I always really like these um, romance novels that have Indian main characters because their families are so fun. It's like fun reading all the shenanigans that goes on with their aunties who are like trying to get them married. I mean, I have plenty of aunts as well, but they are not trying to get me married that way. I just love reading about the family aspect and the culture and things like that. It's super fun. It takes like a generic white person romance and it really gives it some extra flavor that those typically do not have. So that's good. I will say that it's not like, I keep forgetting that I've read it. So it's not like it was the best book that I've ever read, um, but it was good. I will say that her, like the main girl characters, like immediate family kind of suck. Like her dad, grandma and sister are all kind of the worst. Um, I did not like them. That book is definitely going to have two more that are following her best friends and his best friends as they get together. I kind of hate that trope. I probably won't be reading them, but Dating Dr. Jill was fun if you're looking for kind of an Indian American um, Shakespeare inspired romance. After that, I reread Arsenic and Adobo, Adobo by Mia P. Manasala. I have an episode about that book. Um, go look it up. It's a good episode. It's fun. And I reread it because the, sec I, the second book had recently come out at that point and I had it and I was getting ready to read it and I wanted to refresh myself from my memory. Um, but anyways, anyway, so I wanted to reread it to refresh my memory. So I'm not going to talk very much about it, but basically it is a cozy mystery. Leela's family is framed and her specifically is framed um, their restaurant for killing her ex-boyfriend because he died while eating the food there. And then she and her best friend kind of go on this adventure to figure out who did it and like clear her name and clear her family's name super fun um i was i read it again and i didn't like it as much the second time but i still enjoyed it just because as i read it again i saw lila's being a bit more selfish than i did when i read it the first time but still was a good time and then i read homicide and hollow hollow also by mia p Manasala. and let me tell you book two was phenomenal I loved it. It was so good. So basically the premise of this one is now her cousin is framed for murdering um, a pageant show judge. And so Leela is involved in the pageant. She's one of the other judges and they're trying to figure out like who did it so that she can clear her cousin's name. And she's also, I will say that this book um, definitely has trigger warnings of dealing with like PTSD and things like that because she still has, or she has PTSD from the events in the first book. So she's trying to deal with all of that. So just be aware of that. But it was so good. It was shorter than the first one, but I liked it so much more. Not to say I didn't like the first one, but the second one, like I went in thinking like, okay, this will be like good. I'll have a nice time and that'll be it. No, this was like fantastic. I enjoyed it so much. Like, I don't know what pushed it over the edge for me, but it was a super fun, cozy mystery. I liked it a lot and I'm so excited for the third book to come out. I think actually before I read Homicide and Hollow Hollow, I then read um, the three books in the Dragon Slipper series by Jessica Day George, which are Dragon Slippers, Dragonflight, and Dragonspear. I'm going to talk about all of them together here. This is a middle grade series. It is a fantasy series basically set in like this fake kingdom. And in the first book, the main character Creel is wanting to go to the main, the capital city to become a seamstress. Her mother used to be a seamstress, but she is like a poor farm girl 
and her aunt basically at the beginning tries uh to sacrifice her to a dragon so that the lord's son will save her and marry her because they are a poor family and they can't afford to feed her but she saves herself and she bargains with the dragon to let her go for a pair of slippers i.e dragon slippers so she takes them and then walks to the kingdom there she's a on her way there, she gets attacked and she's saved by a dragon named Shardis. They become friends and she learns all about dragons. However, dragons are enemies of the state. And But then she um, becomes a fashion designer and a seamstress and crazy things happen. So that's kind of the overall, that's the beginning of the first book, but I'm not going to talk necessarily about the second and third book because I don't want to say any spoilers. But this is a middle grade series that I love so much. It is so near and dear to my heart. I've read these books I don't know how many times and they are just so nostalgic. I will say like when I was growing up, I really wanted to be a fashion designer and I also like loved books with royalty and dragons and fantasy and all this different stuff. So this book literally had everything I loved smashed together and that the main character was designing dresses. Oh, my dream. And then also like the, the younger prince, not the crown prince, but the second one is her love interest. And I was like, oh, the prince is in love with her and she's in love with the prince? And dragons are her friends? Honestly, it gives me everything. Now, for somebody who's older, I'm not sure necessarily if I recommend middle grade because when you're older, it can be harder to like middle grade. But if you got a young sibling, child, niece, nephew, friend, whoever, let me tell you, get these books. They're so good. If you know a young person who's in, into fashion design... I'm telling you, this is it. This is everything. I read these back in, I think, either the end of March, beginning of April, I think maybe split between. And it was just such a nice, nostalgic read, and I had such a good time with it. Speaking of nostalgic reads, let's talk about the next book on my list, Along for the Ride by Sarah Dessen. So I'm a big Sarah Dessen fan. I've talked about her books multiple times on this podcast, but kind of like referentially because I have not read any of them since starting this podcast until Along for the Ride. Along for the Ride was the second ever Sarah Dessen, the second Sarah Dessen book I ever read and it was one of my all-time favorites for a long time. Then kind of got bumped down the list as I read some other ones and reread other ones but it it did not disappoint. So basically I reread this because Netflix came out with a movie adaptation of it and I wanted my memory to be fresh and ready of the book when I watched the movie. I was then less fresh because Netflix pushed back the release date, which was kind of rude, but whatever. Anyways, so Along for the Ride is about this girl, Auden. She's about to be going to college, and for her last summer, she decides to spend it with her dad and stepmother in Colby, kind of the small beach town instead of with her mom. There's a lot of family drama stuff. She's basically like the smart girl, but also kind of like the cold ice queen, kind of like mixed up together, rolled into one. So she didn't really have a childhood or do any fun things. And so she like doesn't know how to be a kid or have fun. And um, her stepmom just had this baby and she goes and she's working in the stepmom store and she ends up eventually becoming friends with the girls who work there and then spending her night. She has insomnia, so relatable. And um, her, she spends her nights with Eli, who is kind of this mysterious guy who nobody will really tell her what was going on in his past, but obviously something bad happened, but they become friends and maybe something more. 
And that's kind of generically how it goes. You know, it's a Sarah Dustin book. So like I said, this used to be one of my favorites. And then I reread it maybe like, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. And at that point, it like wasn't hitting right. But when I reread it this past May, April, whenever it was, I reread it. It hit so good. It just like did everything it needed to do. It was so much better than I remembered it being kind of when I had that like, I don't know. During that reread when it just didn't hit for some reason, it just did this time. And I have I want to share this right now that I have a Sarah Dessen theory. My theory is that you like the books her of hers that you connect with the main character more in. So I did definitely connect with Auden in kind of being like smart and not always having the best time making friends. And so that's fun. And then other some other things that it like just to mention here about it is first of all, absolutely I would recommend this book. If you haven't read Sarah Dessen, what are you doing with your life? You absolutely need to get on it. Sarah Dessen's books, even though I have said many times that I'm grown out of YA, I will never grow out of these. They are so good. They're so emotional and I love them so much. Some points to make. Why was her mom sleeping with grad students? That was really creepy. Also, can people change? That is the central, like, theme of this book, I would say, is what we are, we are exploring that. I think people can change. I love Auden's character development. And let's talk a teeny bit about the movie. Overall, I did enjoy the movie. It was good, but it was also very different. It was kind of more of a, like, inspired by situation. Auden's brother doesn't exist in the movie, which makes sense given the time constraint, but his role is actually so crucial as to why she is the way that she is. And also Thisbe, who's the baby, is just like not as round as much. And she was also really crucial in Auden's changes during that summer. So that's kind of sad. The other big thing that was like an issue for me is that Eli felt very different in the movie than from the book. Like you see so sort of how they're the same guy, but there were just some generally some big differences. I don't want to go into it here because it's spoilers and this is a spoiler free episode, shockingly. And then the last thing is I don't think the costume team did a good job with Auden's outfits because she kept wearing this orange coat that looked pink and there's this whole plot line in the book that like she hated pink and that one time she had to wear the pink coat was like such a disaster. And she's also seen wearing like dresses and skirts kind of a lot. I don't think Auden would actually wear that. So overall though, along with the ride, super fun. Okay, next I read three Nicholas Sparks books. I have never read a Nicholas Sparks book in my life. I have seen A Walk to Remember before, like on TV, like a long, long time ago that I like just barely remember it, but not really. But I never read any of his books. And my roommate was like kind of shocked when I said that because of how much I read. So when she went home, she brought me back three Nicholas Sparks books to read that I still need to return to her, but I will because I've read them all. And that was A Walk to Remember, Dear John, and The Choice. So I read all three of those. I read them over the span of, I don't know, like two or three months. And I'm going to just talk about them kind of collectively. So A Walk to Remember is about this guy and he befriends this girl. And then it turns out she's dying of cancer and they have a romance. Dear John is about John who then starts dating this girl, but he's in the military. So they're like separated and he gets like deployed and then the trials and tribulations of that relationship. And then the choice was like the most like a Hallmark movie. And it was actually my favorite of the three, which was kind of interesting. 
It was basically about like these neighbors and they become friends, but the girl has this boyfriend, but then she ends up falling in love with the neighbor guy. And then there's like a flash forward plot twist, like in the second half of the book about the guy having to make a choice about his relationship and the life he was going to have with this girl, basically. So that's the without spoilers version of the choice. I liked the choice the most, but it was the only one I didn't cry while I was reading. So a walk to remember, the question really is at the end, the last chapter is kind of like open-ended. So it's like, do you think she lives? Do you think he ever falls in love again? And was he ever really in love in the first place? A walk to remember, like what was interesting is all three of these books well, no, the first two books were both told only from the guy's point of view, which I guess Nicholas Sparks is a man, so kind of it makes sense. But it was interesting, and it was also interesting because they felt, A Watch Remember and Dear John felt very similar, even though the plot was different. They felt very, very similar, and there's this guy, he's kind of on a bad path. He ends up meeting this girl, he turns his life around, but then something tragic happens, and you're supposed to cry, and then it's over. And no one ends up together, and everybody's sad. So, I think if I read those in middle school, maybe I would like them more, but I just have read too much where I just didn't care. Like, I cared, and like I said, I did cry in A Walk to Remember, like, during the ending, and in Dear John, I I cried um, not over the relationship between the two main characters, but over the relationship between the um, John and his dad. But they didn't do anything spectacular for me. They were very middle of the road. The choice was my favorite, and the choice was only my favorite because of how much it was like a Hallmark movie. And I love Hallmark movies, but again, it was nothing super special for me. And I will not be reading any more Nicholas Sparks books in the future, but I've now done it. I now have read some and can say that I have. After that, I'm now going to be talking about the Inheritance Games and the Hawthorne Legacy by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. So I did it. I finally read these books. They're so hyped up. If you haven't heard of them, I'm kind of shocked, but I'll tell you briefly what the first one is about. So basically the first one is there's this girl. She um, is poor and she has this friend who's a homeless man that she plays chess with. And then she is called to the principal's office. And the principal is like, guess, basically, there's this 19-year-old boy dressed in a suit. How weird. And he's like, you need to come back. Anyways, basically, this old man dies and leaves her his entire fortune and company in his house instead of his two daughters and his four grandsons, who he leaves basically nothing to considering he's like a gajillionaire and they get like $100,000 or something like that. And everybody's like, who is she? She doesn't know him. She's never met him. She's like, what is going on? And they're like, why did he give you this money? And then they have to try and figure it out. And there's like, everybody calls this like a reverse harem. To me, there's just a love triangle element between two of the four, two of the brothers and her. And then she's trying to figure things out. My brother um, got this book from his girlfriend and read it and was like, this thing is crazy. You guys have to read it. So then my sister read it and then I read it. And that thing was crazy. And I understand the hype. Now, it's interesting because like I've heard a lot about these two books and I'm not really going to go into what goes on in the second one because it's 
a bit of a spoiler in this spoiler-free episode, but basically it's just like part two of them trying to figure out the plot twist and ending from the like first book. And so everybody loves that inheritance games like the first one and then feels there's like mixed opinions and generally negative opinions about the second one, which I get because when you get to the second one, the two brothers who are the love interests almost have a personality swap that makes pretty much no sense. Like I don't understand what's going on there. And then the ending of book two is kind of just wild. Like a lot of things happen that don't really add up in the same way that they added up in the first book. And in the first book, there's also this like plot line with the homeless man that I thought was weird, but then I knew it had to mean something and it did. And I think it's kind of dumb, but whatever. And so that's kind of what's going on in those two books. I think I had something else I wanted to say about them. So basically, I was like, I'm not going to read these books because they're overhyped. But then because my brother asked me to, I did because I'm a sucker. Whenever somebody asks me to read something and then physically gives it to me, I always have to. The first 40 to 50 pages were very blah, although I knew this homeless man, Harry, was important. I hated her, Avery's best friend, Max, who used fake swear words. It was so annoying. I literally was like, get this girl out of the book get this beach out of the book like I literally can't it was so annoying and I need the main question I still have at the end of these two books is what is the deal with Alyssa the lawyer and Nash the oldest brother what is the deal I need to know why I will be reading the third book if anybody's interested and my love triangle thoughts so Avery's the main girl and then there's two brothers Grayson who's the older one he's 19 And then Jameson, who's like probably 18 and Avery's like 16 or 17, whatever. And basically, Grayson is the like serious one. He was the one in the suit, like whatever. And then Jameson is like devil may care, sort of like a playboy. They also have a backstory where they had a love triangle with this other girl. So weird. Anyways, I think that Avery is more well-suited for Jameson, but I would rather date Grayson because... I would because for some reason I like the stern suit man I don't know what that says about me I don't like to think about it too hard but if you've been listening to some of these other ones especially my bringing down the duke episode you know how I feel about these men but anyways uh I just think that those are fun they're a good time now on to the next book after I actually don't think after that I read Mr. Wrong Number by Lynn Painter but that is the next book I will be talking about So basically, Mr. Wrong Number is a romance novel. This girl, Olivia, is like kind of down on her luck and she ends up getting a text from Mr. Wrong Number. The wrong number is like asking her kind of like about like, he's almost sexed her maybe, I don't really know. And then she's like, bro, this is the wrong person. But then they end up becoming like friends and kind of flirting and talking over these texts. Olivia has bad luck. She ends up moving in with her brother and his roommate. And this is not a spoiler because it's very clear from the beginning, even though I feel otherwise, that the brother's roommate ends up being Mr. Wrong Number. And then um, they both have kind of this texting relationship, but they don't really like each other per se in person, although things start to change. And there you go. That's kind of what's going on. My real question with this one is why we can't be in the dark. Why do we know from like before page 100 that Mr. Wrong Number is the is the brother's best friend. It's just kind of frustrating because I was so excited to read this book because I was like, this will be fun, kind of think giving me some like 
tell me three things vibes and me trying to figure out which man she's talking to and like hoping it's the one that I like the best and all these different things. But instead, we just know pretty much immediately who it is. And it just, I'm like, I personally don't see the point of a wrong number who anonymous texting relationship book when I know who it is because it's just, it doesn't, that's fine for fan fiction. It does not do it for me in regular fiction, okay? Um, there was a, some other things is that the pacing was uninspected and that things that normally, like, conflicts that normally happen in the end were happening earlier in the book during the middle, which was kind of fun and I enjoyed that. So um, that's kind of all I'm going to say about that based on the fact that this is like my short or sort of like experience. Did I like the book overall? Yes. Did I think it was anything like amazing? No. Like it was good. I enjoyed it. And that's pretty much it. If you like a, um, I don't know who I'm talking to romance and you don't care, it's revealed immediately that who they're talking to, then this could be fun for you. And it's definitely not overhyped. So it's something you might not have heard of, but it was nothing like super, super special. So now we're down to the last four books and I'll be talking about the next two together because I read the Six of Crows duology by Lee Bardugo, which consists of Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. So why did I read this? That is an excellent question. Basically, I went to Barnes and Noble because I had a gift card and the Barnes and Noble by me just does not do it for me and that I feel like it's the same things I'm always looking at and I just don't like browsing there. I don't know how to explain it, but basically I went there looking for Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which I'll talk about after this, and then I had some money left over and I saw kind of a like the duology like box set and I really, really liked season one of Shadow and Bone. Like, I was so into it. I had a great time watching it. And so I was like, but I've like, from the booktube community, I've kind of heard that the Shadow and Bone, like, trilogy is like fine. And then Crook, the Six of Crows and specifically Crooked Kingdom are amazing and like everybody's favorite. And like so many people I've heard say Crooked Kingdom specifically is like their favorite book of all time. They love it. And in the Shadow and Bone TV show, I was more drawn to the Crows storyline, and I especially loved Nina and Mateus. Like, every time they came up, I was like, yes, give me this enemies to lovers vibes. Like, I was, I was all in on them. So I was like, you know what? I did a little bit of research, like, oh, is this going to spoil everything for me if I read it? And they were like, Six of Crows, probably not. Crooked Kingdom, probably yes. And that is basically what ended up happening, because reading Six of Crows does not really spoil any of the shadow and bone stuff, but reading Crooked Kingdom definitely does. So just be aware of that. I will not be spoiling the books here, but basically Six of Crows is a heist story. Both of these books are heist stories. And in Six of Crows, basically Kaz um, gets asked or told or whatever that he needs to try and break this prisoner out of the most secure facility in the entire world in Fyrda. And he puts together a team to go and do that. And the reason they are doing that is because the Grisha are being dosed with Jurda Panem, which is like this drug. And it's making their powers be like more stronger, but it's also killing them. And you get addicted after one or two doses, basically. So he puts together this group of six people and then they go and do it. That includes Kaz, Inej, and Jesper, who are all like the main people from um, the TV show, as well as Nina Mateus, who we also know from the TV show. And Wylan, who has not been introduced yet, but will be in this new season. Basically, what I have to say is that two things. First of all, if I had read the Shadow and Bone trilogy and then these two books back, like, 
when they were coming out. I think that I would have different opinions. See my Graceling comments, although I do think that the the Six of Crows duology is better than Graceling. And I love the heist element. I loved kind of the twists and turns and seeing how everything would turn out and like all of that was like my favorite part of these two books. However, I wish that I had just not read them and waited for the TV show because the TV show was just so good. And for some reason, like, I don't know, I feel this way that if I watch something before reading it, I almost always prefer what I've watched first. And something happened at the end of Crooked Kingdom, which I will not say, but made me extremely upset and mad and felt like it actually didn't need to happen except for the fact that she wanted to write more books. So this character had to go through some trauma in order to like get them on that path. And I will never read another, I don't want to say never, I might read the next Ninth House book, but I probably will never read another Lee Bardugo book again. However, I will continue to watch the TV show because I really, really like it. Next, I read Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which is the latest romance novel by her. She also wrote Beach Read and People We Meet on Vacation, both books which have been extremely hyped up, extremely celebrated, which I read both of them. I don't think Beach Read has an episode, but People We Meet on Vacation definitely does have an episode. And unfortunately, Book Lovers will not be getting an episode because it is stuck in here. Anyways, Book Lovers is basically taking the Hallmark tropes and flipping them on their head where instead we have a bit of job oriented like business city lady who loves the city and loves her job and does not want to move to a small town and find the meaning of love and Christmas there and she her sister is like let's go on this vacation to the small town she's a book agent and she goes there and she ends up seeing this book editor who she's butted heads with in the past And then her sister's trying to get her to have the small town romance um, of her dreams. And Nora is not really feeling that. But some romance does start to spark between Charlie, who is the um, book editor. So this book was fun. I will say this was not my favorite Emily Henry book, but I really liked it a lot. The best part of this is really that it is so different from basically all romance books I've read and all Hallmark movies. And that's what I really loved about it is that it was so different because you have this woman who's a career woman. She likes the city. She does not want to move to the small town. She wants to go back to the city when her vacation's done. She loves her job. She loves being ruthless to do her job and help her clients. But, you know, there's more to her than just that. She does. It's like seeing like taking this woman and making her not just this archetype stereotype fill in here to represent all that's what's wrong with the city. And that's fun. That's definitely fun. I also think that the relationship between Nora and Charlie is really good. And the third act conflict, as my favorite booktuber Cindy likes to call it, like she said, it's really good. A lot of times in romance novels, the third act conflict is just miscommunication because there needs to be conflict to make story. And then it gets solved on the next page. Here, it wasn't like that. It felt a lot more realistic. I'm not going to say necessarily what it was because that would be big spoilers for the rest of the book. However, it was really good, really enjoyable. Finally, I read The Stardust Thief by Chelsea Abdullah, which was my June book of the month pick. It is a Middle Eastern inspired fantasy novel about kind of this world where there were jinn, but then they went away and when they left, like the whole world turned into a desert basically. But people now in this 
world now hunt gin and when they bleed their like blood is silver and it makes oasises pop up and their blood can heal anybody so the main character luli she um in the past her family was all like murdered by these men and mysterious men in black but she escaped and she was found by this gin named kadar and the two of them since then she's had this um persona of the midnight merchant and she basically finds relics, which are old enchanted items left behind by Jin, and she sells them kind of like in the black market, and the two of them work together. Then there is this prince, the youngest prince, and his name, Mazin. His name is Mazin. He just wants to go out. He's a storyteller. He wants to go see a storyteller. He ends up getting kidnapped by a Jin. Luli saves him, which draws attention to her, and the sultan basically forces her to like go try and retrieve this artifact, and he's like, or this relic and he's like when you bring it to me i'm going to kill all jen in the world because he hates them because they killed his like wife his third wife well not really the wife of his third the mother of his third son Mazin. anyways basically one of his wives was killed by jen and since then he's had a vendetta against them and then there's a subplot that this other girl um aisha she's gets sent out as kind of a bodyguard for Mazin because Mazin's older brother, Omar, is was it Omar? I don't remember what his name was. Basically, the Sultan tells him to go, but he's got plans in the city. So him and Mazin kind of do this like magic trick where they like, they use this relic so that they can look like each other and switch places. And then they go on an adventure. I will say that I'm definitely going to continue with the series. It was not my favorite fantasy series of all time, but I did enjoy it. And the reason why it's fun and enjoyable is that the pacing was unexpected and that kind of the twists that you normally see would happen at the end of the book. There was a bunch of stuff that happened in the middle that felt like things that happened at the end. And so that's kind of fun because it threw me out kind of of the normal hero's journey path of like, oh my God, wait, what's going on? And I'll say definitely that the end part of the book was a lot stronger than the beginning because the beginning is a lot of like background, building things up, things like that. And then there's just some epic twists that happen at the end. There's like three or four of them. They just keep coming at you in the last like 150 pages. And the setup for this next book is really intriguing and interesting to me. So I would recommend it. I think that I probably prefer, um, what was that series called that I read? Hmm. About the the blue-eyed bandit. It's also a Middle Eastern inspired um fantasy story about jinn and things like that. I think I probably prefer that. So that series overall to the Stardust Thief. However, I am interested in reading more from this series. It is also a debut, so as more books kind of come out, they should be stronger and get better and things like that. So that was 21 books. I said I was going to do this in 45 minutes and your girl did it minus this outro stuff. And so that was some very condensed stuff. Let me know if you prefer this sort of episode and you would rather me do monthly sort of wrap ups instead of episode by episode. And yeah, let's move into the outro stuff. So the next episode I'm going to be doing the mid-year freakout tag, even though it's going to be the end of July or the beginning of August by the time you hear it. And that's just so that I can kind of give you a better idea of some of these books and my opinions on them, as well as what I read earlier in the year. And then after that, I will be um, releasing an episode on The Bodyguard by Catherine Center, which is a book that I just finished yesterday. It was so good, and I really liked it a lot. So moving on to the outro, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to my 
podcast. It would mean so much to me. I know you can do this on Apple Podcasts. And I think Spotify Podcasts also just added that feature. So please do that. It will help other people find it now that I'm back on air. I don't think this is air, but back doing this. And I would love you forever if you did that. And if you give me a review, I will shout you out on my podcast. Also, feel free to uh, um, follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. I am going to be getting back on the Instagram. Help me feel motivated and want to post and that would be great. You can also let me know what you thought of this episode and episodes past and pre- ones to come by DMing me on Instagram or sending me an email at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. And finally, I have a now defunct website, I read book once blog.com. Feel free to check that out. I do not update it though. So with that, This was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and I'll catch you guys next time.